I drove down to Texas last week and I played a couple shows in Austin, had a really good time, saw a lot of old friends, saw a lot of people that listen to this show, just a really good time getting to catch up with people. But on the way down there, I drove out of the way, I drove way out of the way, and went down to Pineville, Louisiana, and I visited Sputnik Monroe's grave. Just a beautiful old graveyard. It's actually a beautiful old town, a little bit run down, but sort of place I wouldn't mind living one day. But I stayed in San Marcos in a not-so-great hotel, but the price was right. And I got up one morning and drove down to San Antonio so I could pay my respects to Doug Somm, visited his grave. It took me about an hour and 15 minutes to find it. I walked all over the graveyard, but it was a beautiful morning. And I got me some breakfast tacos and headed on. But as I headed home, I stopped off in Texarkana. I figured I would get me a hotel room for the night because I got a late start. And I checked in, and man, it was one of the worst hotel rooms I've stayed at in quite a while. It really was not, it was not a thing of beauty, but you get used to that sort of thing. We'll just call it an occupational hazard when you're a folk singer. But I woke up early in the morning to a couple arguing outside my door, really loud. I peeked out my window, and I realized it was a prostitute and a pimp arguing over money right outside my door. It's a hell of a thing to realize that you just woke up in a John Prine song. Hi friends, this is Otis Gibbs and you're listening to Thanks for Giving a Damn. I'm sitting here in my living room in East Nashville. This is a personal journal. This is a bit of an experiment. I like to say right up front that I haven't the slightest idea what I'm doing, but I decided to do it anyway. And this show was founded with the idea that there are only two people in art that matter. There's the creative individual and the person experiencing it. And everything else is an artificial filter. This is a way for me to share things with you guys without any filters whatsoever. My guest this week is Aaron Allen. Aaron is a singer and a songwriter. He's had songs recorded by Willie Nelson, Charlie Walker, the Osborne Brothers, and a whole lot of other greats. My buddy Adam Carroll turned me on to Aaron Allen. He sent me this CD of Aaron telling stories and singing a lot of his songs. It's really, really good. I would like to turn you on to that right now, but I can't find it anywhere online. And it doesn't really appear that Aaron Allen exists anywhere online. So I apologize. Maybe if somebody has a link, they can send it to my Twitter and I'll retweet it out to everybody else. But I love Adam to death. And if he says Aaron Allen is good people, I wanted to go meet him. So I went to Aaron's house. We recorded this in his living room in Luling, Texas. And I should tell you up front, I had just driven eight hours straight. I pulled into his driveway, got out of the car, and we immediately started recording. I don't think you can tell, but if I sound a little bit froggy, you'll know what the reason is. But Aaron Allen holds the distinction of being the very first person to ever interview Johnny Cash. And he was nice enough to tell me that story and a whole lot of other stories. So I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. 
Here's Aaron Allen. I wanted to be an astronomer when I was a kid. Built me a couple of telescopes with the help of a professional astronomer. But I was bad at mathematics. And I was listening to people on the radio, people like Red River Dave and San Antonio and WAI. He was a cowboy singer. And I listened to Big Bill Lister on KABC, I'm sorry. And I listened to a guy named Del Dunbar on KTSA. And these were hillbilly singers back then. They just had their guitar, and they were stars because this was before TV came in, you see. And I said, that's what I want to do. So I started collecting folk songs, and my aunt was a musician, professional, and she taught me the first chords on the guitar. And so I took it from there and ran with it. And when I was a sophomore in high school, I decided I was going to audition for a job on KTSA in San Antonio. I lived in New Braunfels, about 33 miles from San Antonio. And, and I had an appointment with Mr. Bob uh, Pat White. He was the program director there. He said, come on, come on up and I'll listen to you. And so I took a Greyhound bus to San Antonio, stupid kid. And, uh, and I had the guitar between my legs and the Greyhound bus. And I went up there and I got out the bus station and I walked two blocks and hailed a taxi. And he looked at me and he laughed and he said, get in. And he took me around the block and let me out exactly where I got in because I was at the Gunner Hotel, the home of KTSA. <laughs> I walked up the steps to Mr. Pat White, and he was very genial, and he said, come on into the studio, I want to listen to some of your songs, and I was in folk music then, sang him some songs like the Foggy Foggy Do and the Blue Tail Fly, Cowboys Lament, blah, 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 and when I was through, he said, well, that's pretty good, he said, uh, what does your repertoire consist of? And I didn't know what the word repertoire meant, and I didn't want to let him know I didn't know what it meant, and I thought it had to do with clothes, and I said, I've got... Six pair of pants and a couple of overcoats, uh, a couple of sports coats. And he kind of laughed and said, no, I mean, I mean, how many songs do you have in your collection? And I told him, and he said, well, you're pretty good, but come on back when you graduate. When I graduated, I decided to audition for KITE and the old transit tower in San Antonio. I went up there and sang for them, and by golly, if they didn't take me on right away. So I was in pretty good company, and I had a great sponsor out of New Braunfels called Comal Cottons. My theme song, of course, was Cotton Eye Joe, and we gave away samples on the air and had a great run there for a year and a half or so. And uh, when I left there, I went into disc jockey. And that's when I went to KCNY in San Marcos, and I went to New Braunfels. I was the first disc jockey there on KGNB, and from there I went to KWED in Seguin, and from there I went to KBOP in Pleasanton, and from there I went to WOAI. And Willie Nelson took my place as a disc jockey. And he told me once, he said, you know, I listened to you on the radio before I ever knew him. <laughs> I'm four years older, by the way, than Willie, and... You take those things kind of for granted at the time, but when you get older and you look back, well, they are worth something as a memory. Well, as a WAI, I had a show every morning at 11.30 until 12. And what we did back then, we had a, we had a librarian who took care of the record library. 
And I didn't play my own records. I was in a little studio, and the engineer was in an adjoining studio, and we had a little squawk box. We talked back and forth, and I'd go in and pick the records for my show, and then she would make two copies of the songs for that day and give the engineer one, and I had one. So he played the records. I introduced him. And one day I go in to pick up my records, and for some reason I'll never understand, I looked into the wastebasket by her desk. And there in the trash, I saw a little 45 RPM record, Sun Label. Ray's gone out. And out of curiosity, I got it out of there and wiped it off. And Johnny Cash, Cry, 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 and Hey Porter was on the other side, his very first record. I said, what's this doing in the trash? The lady said, oh, he's no good. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> knew. We I just threw it away. I said, well, if you don't mind, I'd like to listen to it. So I took it back into the control room. The engineer played it for me, and I said, man, that's some new sound that I haven't heard. It's sparse, but I love it. Uh, so I took it back to the library, <laughs> and I said, put this on my show today. <laughs> and I'm so glad I did. I forget how long it was, a few weeks or maybe two or three months. About to go on the air, and... And the operator calls me and says, somebody's out here to see you. And I said, well, I'm about to go, and I don't have time to see them right now. By the way, who is it? She said, he says his name is Johnny Cash. I said, bring him back. <laughs> and boy, was I glad I did. <laughs> And he was nervous, but he made me kind of nervous, too. And, well, that was before he dressed in black. And he had his nephew with him, come to think of it. He was married to Vivian Liberto, girl from San Antonio. And he hadn't been out of the service very long. And so he was kind of like an ordinary guy, but he still had that. He's always looked like a nervous cat to me, you know? Uh, it's just his way. And... But he was so friendly. He was really nice to me. He felt like that I, he was being honored, and I felt like I was being honored. God, I was just like in my 20s then, you know, and I'm 88 now, so. But we had a great meeting. Uh, I, I loved to listen to the opera. In fact, before I ever got on radio, we, my daddy and I listened to it. We'd go out. We didn't have a car, I mean a radio in the house, but we had one in the car. We'd go out in the car and turn the motor on and listen to WSM. So the signal carried all the way down into oh, Texas. Yeah, yeah. WSM is a clear channel station, just like WEI was. The air castle of the South. Right, right. <laughs> it was Roy A. Cuff in the beginning, and then Red Foley took over. I never quite understood why that happened, uh, because... Um, I was influenced by Roy Acuff. I was influenced by the early Carter family. Mother Maybell had a great influence on me. And then came Burl Ives. And then, of course, Bob Dylan came along. And early Dylan influenced me. And, and a woman I've loved <laughs> ever since I first heard her, Emmy Lou Harris. And she is an me, and she's a sweet woman. I've, and, and Willie introduced me to her, in fact, in a recording session in Nashville when I was living there. And then when I was doing Willie's Picnics, um, she was one of the guests. She came up to me, and I had, 
she always wore those knee-high boots. You know, God, they were sexy. And so I got me some made for men. And I had my boots on when I was doing the opera. I mean, <laughs> doing the Fourth of July picnic. And she came up and said, I like your boots. And I said, I like yours too. <laughs> <laughs> and so I guess it was about three or four months later, we carried the Grand Ole Opry on WAI, or NBC affiliate. On Saturday nights, I think it was 8.30, the opera came on. It was sponsored by Prince Albert Pipe Tobacco. And Johnny Cash was making his debut on the Opry that night. And I was on duty. And I listened to him, and he was nervous again. <laughs> made me kind of nervous <laughs> listening to him. And finally, after the show was over, somebody interviewed Benny Pearl. And Benny Pearl said, you know that new fellow? He's sure nervous here tonight, but golly, he's going to be a big star. Wow, how true that was. Do you remember what Johnny played on the Opry that night? Well, yes, he played Cry, Cry, Cry. He played Hey Porter. And I don't know whether uh, Folsom Prison Blues had come out yet. I know in subsequent appearances he played it, and I walked the line. I can, I can only imagine what it would be like sitting in rural Texas listening <laughs> to the Grand Ole Opry and Johnny Cash coming on. Well, of course, when we did that, that was before Johnny Cash's time, and it was Roy Acuff then. The string Bean. String Bean, and uh, oh, what wonderful old man. Grandpa the Jones, Uncle Dave Macon. No, Uncle Dave Macon, yeah, yeah. He was a wonderful character. And we had, we, when I was at KBR Radio, we had uh, Grandpa Jones on a show at the Municipal Auditorium, and we were sitting back in the dressing room. I was with some of the other DJs, and this fellow comes through the door, and he looks like a banker. And he's got this beautiful suit on and tie. And somebody said, that's Grandpa Jones. He hasn't put on his regalia yet. <laughs> I was working for WLVN on a cold November and we were doing a remote broadcast from a furniture store in Nashville. And I had taken the top 30 records with me. They were all honky-tonk songs. In fact, one of the songs was Hank Williams' on Never Get Out of This World Alive. And while I was on the air that afternoon, the newsman called, said, we got a bulletin. The president's been shot. President Kennedy. And so we were going back and forth with bulletins. And here I'm sitting with those honky-tonk songs and songs like that Hank Williams tune, I'll never get out of this live world alive. And I thought, this is wrong. These songs aren't working at all. And this is the second time in my long career this has happened to me, as it did with that Johnny Cash song. This time, I saw down in the floor, in the corner, in the cobwebs, an old 45 RPM record. And I looked at it out of curiosity, wiped it off, and it was Mother Maybell playing the auto harp, the bells of St. Mary's. And I played that song over and over that afternoon. In 1980, my wife and I were in Nashville working with an artist, and uh, we saw in the paper we were having a garage sale at the House of Cash. We had to go. Great stuff, nothing cheap. But there were the three sisters, 
June, I need to and Helen. And I said to Norma, I said, I've got to go talk to June. Went up to her and I said, June, I'm Aaron Allen, and I was on the air the day President Kennedy was assassinated. And I told the story I just told you up to the point where I found her mother's record. And how I played it all day long, all so long. And I can still see the tears running down her cheeks. I told her that story. So in 1958, WOAI decided to send me to Nashville to a DJ convention. And <clears throat> I was in high cotton, had me a brand new 57 T-Bird. I mean, I was flying high. And I go up there and get up to the Andrew Jackson Hotel where the convention was held. And I didn't, uh, I think the Jackson Hotel is no longer there. But anyway, that night, Cars everywhere. The place was so crowded I could hardly get in. And I asked the doorman, I said, oh, what's going on here? Oh, we're waiting on Johnny Cash and his entourage. <laughs> and in a few minutes, here he comes. Tripping the light, fantastic. And he, I'll never forget those boots he had on, buttoned up the side. And I said, i got to get me some boots like that. <laughs> He gets up on the podium, paparazzi everywhere, flash bulbs going off. He's signing autographs, and I'm standing on the periphery of the crowd thinking he'll never talk to me again. And I'll be good damned if he didn't spot me. He spied me, and he pointed to me, and everybody looked at old double A, and he says, see that guy back there? He was the first guy who ever interviewed me on the radio. I said, well, I guess you didn't forget me after all. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you could get in a time machine and go back and ask Johnny questions, what would you ask him now? What got you on the pills? And where do you think uh, the incentive and the great um, uh, backbone that you have and the courage you have to get off of them the way you did without any help from doctors or outside sources? And... Um, what was it about June Carter that made you fall in love with her? Well, it'd have to be a very late interview in the latter part of his life when I'd have to ask him about Nashville and why they treated him like they did. And, uh, <laughs> and I'd have to say, you know, when you were in that uh, publication, I forget which one it was, and you... <laughs> was giving Nashville the finger. <laughs> well, what kind of closure did you get from that? <laughs> it was a billboard magazine. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was a billboard. <laughs> I really appreciate you inviting me into your living room and sharing stories. Oh, listen, it's been my pleasure. It's good to meet you, and I never thought uh, I'd have the opportunity for somebody to be interested enough in me to come up here all the way from Nashville and talk to me like you have. God bless you. I really appreciate it.
I'd like to thank everybody for listening in, and I'd like to thank Aaron Allen for inviting me into his living room there in Luling, Texas. If you'd like to help support this show, just go to OtisGibbs.com and you can pick up a CD, a t-shirt. You can download any record I've ever made. You can buy one of my photographic prints. You can buy one of Amy's records. You can buy one of Amy's children's books. But anything that you buy, we'll mail from our living room to yours, and we'll even put in a little thank you note. If you'd like to help out but you're a little short on cash, just go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Leave a comment. Subscribe, and you'll get a brand new episode free as soon as it's available. But if you enjoy this show, or you enjoy my music, or you enjoy Amy's music, please take the time to tell a friend and help us spread the word. And if you'd like to send us a message, we'd love to hear from you. Just send it to info at otisgibbs.com. I'm Otis Gibbs. Thanks for giving a damn.